How many of you are looking forward to heaven? Amen. Amen. I'm looking forward to heaven, but guess what? Do you know that Jesus has brought heaven to you? Through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, He has brought heaven down to you. Now, one of the reasons, if you're not experiencing a whole lot of heaven in your life, it's because you have to open the door for heaven to come. Amen? You know, heaven just doesn't drop out of the sky. I, I actually got to anticipate. I need to open some doors. I need to talk about it. And so I just uh, want to let you know that it, tomorrow, it's, it's not a sad time. It's actually a celebration because there's another saint who's finished the race. She's run the course. She's fought the good fight of faith. She's in the presence of the Lord, just like all of you this morning. Wasn't the presence of God rich today? Wasn't it amazing? Man, I'll tell you, John, uh, you know, John, when he got up here and started ministering, John, you cannot believe how you just preached my message. I mean, the things you were saying, and you, I, I, I was thinking, did he look at my notes or what? Same scriptures, I mean, uh, you know, it's great when the Holy Spirit confirms through a prophetic word what you're sharing on, because I know the Lord was and, and I'm going to be speaking, uh, sharing, because I believe the Lord is moving us in a direction. In fact, I'd like you to take uh, your Bibles just for a few minutes. And by the way, do we need to dismiss the kids, or have they already been dismissed? Have they already gone okay? Well, jump with me for a two, a two or three scriptures here. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, and then we're going to go into Colossians. I want to just set some things here. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 says, In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined, <clears throat> being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be the, to the praise of his glory. How many here have obtained an inheritance? Now, by the way, that inheritance is not just heaven. God wants you to know that you have access now. Everyone turn to your neighbor and say, you got it. You got it. It's right there. Jump with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. 1 verse 12 giving thanks to the Father, I love this, giving thanks to the Father who has what? Qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance. Partakers. Not just someday, right now. Everyone say, right now. To be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light he has delivered us from the powers of darkness, conveyed us into the kingdom of His Son, the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. That means that anyone who carries his seed this morning has the very image of Jesus living, reigning, and ruling in his life right now. You have that power. You have that success. How many of you believe Jesus come to give us abundant life? He didn't come to give you half a life or just enough to eat by. He came to give us abundant life. Everyone say abundant life. He said that Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Satan's purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. Now, one of the sad things, I think, sometimes in the church, at least in the past, is we have not realized exactly what our inheritance is. We have not known what Jesus fully uh, bought for us when he died on the cross. Many believe and know that Jesus died for our sins, he's offered forgiveness, and he's come to fill us with his presence. But Jesus did a lot more than that. Jesus reconciled us to the Father. 
And that reconciliation and that restoration to the Father also restored you in a place where you are seated, having dominion over sin. He's given you access into his presence all the time. Not only that, you have amazing victory, amen? He's given us an amazing victory. He's given us an amazing inheritance. And the Bible says that Jesus has qualified you. You are now qualified. You're not getting qualified. You are qualified right now. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're qualified. You are in. Now, here's the problem. You see, just because I'm saved and I'm redeemed, listen to me, I'm redeemed and I've been made right with God. He's imputed his righteousness, made right with God. But the problem is, my mind is stuck. My brain hasn't caught up to what the inheritance means for me. And when you get saved, one of the things that happens is we still have the residue of the old man. We still have the residue of a carnal nature. We still have the residue of our past life. And that past life is not abundant life. That past life is a lifestyle of survival. It's a lifestyle of striving instead of thriving. God wants you to thrive in life. God wants you to understand that like John said, by the way, John said something today, and I want you to take your Bibles and jump with me back to Isaiah 43. Again, the key text this morning. And by the way, folks, I, I want to just tell you, ever since our fasting and prayer time this past January, I have been having literal, and, and, and I'm not saying this in any way to boast, but I'm going to boast in the Lord, but I've been having many revivals. I've been having these many encounters with God. I literally told my wife, I've literally woken up in the night. I'm going to tell you something, it's, it, it's crazy. God has been bombarding me with dreams. I've never had dreams like this. But I've been having dreams. You know, John, John came over this morning when we were praying. And John, remember you came over and you said, Ray, you, you just kept ministering. And you said, free, free, free ministry. And, and I, I, you know, the Lord was just saying that, and when you said about, of course, I know you tacked on uh, the Super Bowl with this, the year of 50, because the 50, by the way, is the year of Pentecost. And it's, er, no, yeah, it is the year of Pentecost and the year of Jubilee. But it, it, was, it was when all of those who were in debt, all of those who were slaves under the old covenant, all those who were in debt, enslaved to something or to someone, all of those who were incarcerated, all of those who had become prisoners or in debt because of bad decisions. How many out here has ever made a bad choice in your life? Amen. Well, the year of Jubilee was to give a testimony and it was to celebrate and to commemorate God's freedom over their life. God was saying, if you're in debt, you're no longer in debt. If you're enslaved, you're no longer enslaved. If you're some kind of a prisoner, you're no longer a slave, but you are now sons and daughters. You've been redeemed, brought back. It's a new day. It is a new season in your life. Now, see, part of the residue of my old nature is that I've lived in a time, I've lived in seasons where I, all I think about is all the bad things that I've come from and all, all of where my background. I was born in a bad family, born in a season where people hurt me, where my rights were violated. So sad today in a culture that we live in. Everybody's worried about their rights. And guess what? In this life, you're never going to get your rights. In fact, let me tell you something. Even if you think you ever get your rights, satisfied it'll still never be satisfied enough because your freedom your total complete wholeness never comes about until you are restored back into the understanding of why you were created and restored to who you were created in and that's in christ you'll never you will never on this planet you will never be able to legislate or litigate any kind of righteous 
righteousness or fairness or equality on this planet. It'll never happen. Because Jesus alone is the Prince of Peace. You can never have peace apart from Him. And today everybody's going around saying, I got my rights and I want this and I want that. Let me tell you something, folks. It falls so far short. And even if you did get your rights, you're still going to be mad. Because you're going to be mad about how everybody's violated you and how many people hurt you. Just because you get your way and maybe you've made it to the top of the mountain, you've climbed over everybody and you're the last man standing, you're still not going to be happy. Because the only way you can have true peace is when you've been restored to the Creator. Can you say amen? Let me tell you something that just happened. I was flying back from uh, Sacramento, California, couple of weeks ago from my fasting and prayer time and uh, I, I had like I said it was an incredible encounter with the Lord not only there but I was seated seated next to a lady uh, for th on, a, on our three-hour flight back to Dallas uh, I was seated with a lady and we got into a conversation she was a she was a medical attorney come to find out not only she was but both her and her husband met in college they're both lawyers, and they're both medical attorneys. And we just got into conversation, and, and actually the Lord laid a word of knowledge on me. Just kind of, it was, I, I was enjoying kind of a little bit of a sozo and a treasure hunt right there on the seat, and the Lord laid a word, and I opened the conversation up. I said, are you, are you married? And, and she says, yes, I am. And I said, can I just share something that the Lord laid on my heart? And she said, the, the Lord? The Lord? What do you mean the Lord laid on your heart? Well, I said, the Holy Spirit speaks to my heart. And, and I said, um, you and your husband have been pursuing something. And it's been a real drive and a desire in your heart. She begins to tear up. And now I've got to say, I, I, I didn't know what it was, but, but she said, yeah. Well, we've been trying to have a baby for years. We've been married, and for some reason, I can't get pregnant. And I said, I, I really feel that God is going to release this and bring about a pregnancy in your life. And I, I'm going to pray, because I believe the Lord le led me to see that, because he wants to release the promise of his goodness upon your life. It's just, what, where did you get this? Where, 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 how did you know this? Are you psychic? No, I'm not psychic. I am filled with the Holy Ghost. God reveals things to his servants, to his people, to demonstrate to you just how special you are. Just how he wants to honor you and let you know you are so special. I said, where do you come from? I said, I'm coming from Garland, Texas, Dallas, Texas. And we start talking about and come to find out this woman is what I call a wayside Christian. How many of you ever heard of the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4 talks about the seed being sown on the wayside. That means the fringes. She's been a so-called church attender, but on the fringes. She comes to a church. She goes to some kind of a church every two to three to four months. She comes a little bit here, a little bit there, but she's never really been connected in a way where the message of the kingdom has made a significant difference in her life. She's never known. She just thought, well, the only thing important was just kind of, you know, hopefully, hopefully, someday, I'll, in the sweet by and by, I'll get up to heaven somehow, somewhere. The bottom line is, and I, of course I didn't say this, but this woman was not saved. She was, had a religious attendance. She'd gone to church a little bit, but has never met Jesus. Never come to know Jesus. How many of you know when you encounter Jesus, you're a transformed man and a woman? It's not just about going to church. It's about a complete transformation, spirit, soul, and body. Anyway, we're on the plane, we're talking, and, and this is what she says. You know, it's amazing. That's what I'm talking about, the kingdom, and, and I'm talking about what well, the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Lord. It, it's not a life without problems. It's not a life without struggles. It's not a life without challenges. In fact, I said this, when you become a Christian, there's a target on your back. The devil will target you. 
because he understands there's a spiritual battle in our world today. And the devil wants to keep the truth from people from knowing that Jesus is the light of the world. This is what I told her. And I said, if people come to know Jesus is the light of the world, their lives are transformed. And uh, as we were talking, she, she said, you know something? It's amazing you're talking like this. And I, I, she says, I've, I've run into people like you. You're kind of radical. You're, you're kind of on fire. You're, you like to talk a lot about God, don't you? And I said, well, it's not because I'm a pastor and I get paid for it. That, I, I, I was on fire actually along before I, when I was in construction. I had my own business, and as we're in the conversation, I said, it, it's not about church attendance. It's not about connected to a denomination, interdenomination, or non-denomination. It really is about relationship. It's really about knowing Jesus in a real personal way and knowing him and, and and she says you know i i the church i go to you know it's it's all about the time frame that man they sing their three songs a person gets up and reads a poem someone does a concerto on the piano or a violin and the preacher kind of reads his message and they close the prayer and you know what's amazing we are done in 45 minutes and I said, well, let me ask you this. When you're all done in 45 minutes, did you get anything out of it? Well, no, I, I didn't know I was supposed to. I, I have some friends there. In fact, she said this. One of the reasons we go to church is because all of our friends, our present friends, the circle of our friends right now, are people that we went to college with. They're lawyers. They're attorneys. Some of them are judges. And all of them are wealthy. All of them are successful. They have positions. They have, uh, they have uh, law firms and offices. But he, this is what she said. Her name was Anita. Anita said this to me. So Anita said this. She says, the one thing about all of my husbands and my friends is they are such a messed up group. They're wealthy. They have tremendous success, they're professionals, but they can't hold a relationship with anything. Their lies, they're alcoholics, they're drug addicts, they're in places where they're trying uh, to just manipulate the system. They, they laugh when people lose their cases. And, and it's, it's, my husband and I have come to this point where even though they've been friends with us for years, there is such a hollow shallowness with these, our friends. And we've just kind of pulled back. We've become isolated. And we, I, I really, this is what Anita said, I really thought that by getting my degree, becoming an attorney, connected to my firm, that I would really find happiness. This is what she says. I have been so miserable, even though I'm an attorney, make lots of money, and I drive a Lexus. My husband has a BMW and a Mercedes. And she is talking all about this. But, 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 but then she asked me this question. She says, how in the world do you really know that Jesus is alive and that Jesus really is the way, the truth? In fact, I told her this based on Gallup. Listen to me, folks. Because my message this morning is understanding your purpose. How many of you know we need to be connected to purpose? God has a purpose. God never intended for you just to go through life. There's so many young people today that think the most important thing, I got to get that college degree. I got to get my career. I got to make my money. I got to get into the status where I'm living in the right community, living in the best houses uh, with the right place in a place. Then I've reached success. Well, I just ran into a who has that and she's miserable and she doesn't trust anybody and she's unhappy and she asked me this question she says Ray how how do you know that God is alive and that he's real how do you know that and I said well I said first of all you need to understand that the Word of God and because she said this I you know I, I don't know if I really 
I don't know if I really believe everything that the Bible says. Because wasn't the Bible written by men? I said, yeah. As far as on the printed page, absolutely. But 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 and 22 says that holy men of God spake as they were moved upon by the Holy Spirit. In other words, we know and we can confirm that the Word of God is not only true and real and rich. First of all, the Word of God is real. And by the way, may I tell you something so you guys get this? This book with ink and paper is not the Word of God. The Word of God is not a book. The Word of God is alive and powerful, two-edged sword. It is a creative word. The Word of God is the very life of Jesus. It is the life of the Father revealed through Jesus. It is the spoken, powerful Word of God. If I did this today, which I wouldn't do, but I could, if I took this Bible and kicked it, some of you may say, oh, oh he kicked the Bible. No, this is nothing but ink on a printed page. But it's what's written on the printed page that makes it alive. It's not just, some people worship the book. They think that this has some holiness. They think there's a halo around the book. No, it's just leather, paper, and ink. But what makes the Word of God real and rich is when the Word of God transforms your life being mixed with faith. Because that's what the... How many of you know that God's Word is alive? It breathes, it lives. And that, that Word transforms. That Word takes a man, a woman, who is weak and who is has been broken by sin and can resurrect that man, resurrect that marriage, resurrect your understanding, open, pulling the veil back off your eyes and opening the, the, the mind, opening your heart to understanding your divine call and purpose in God. There's a call on your life this morning, New Life Fellowship. There's a purpose that God has for you. And it's more than just reaching and climbing that ladder of success like Anita does and like she was doing. But I want to tell you something this morning. I, I asked her this question. I said, what kind of a car do you have? And she says, I drive a Lexus. My husband drives a BMW and a, and, a, and, a, and a Mercedes. He drives the Mercedes. And I says, do you ever have problems with your car? Well, she says, no, not, not too much, but my husband has a BMW. I probably shouldn't say this over the tape, but BMWs aren't doing so well right now. Anyway. anyway. But, but I said, would you ever take your Lexus to a Chevrolet dealer? Of course not. Why not? They're mechanics. Now, of course, you might want to take it to Mike back there, Mike Riga. He's, a, he's an excellent mechanic, by the way. But I said, you would never take a Lexus or a Mercedes to a Ford or a Chevrolet or a Volkswagen. Why? Well, it's obvious. They didn't create the product. Bingo. When there's a problem with man, you go back to the Creator, the one who designed you, and you begin to find out how you were made, why you were made, and what really makes you tick. And that just turned the light on with Anita. Wow, I never saw it that way. I said, do you know why money won't satisfy? Do you know why that even having your rights won't satisfy is because it all falls short of God's glory for your life. And let me tell you another thing. It's all man's attempt to try to fix his life his way. It's about man fixing. Let me tell you, there's a lot of people today that are involved in things called a cause. I'm in a cause. I'm here to set things straight and make things work, even in our political agenda and arena today. Boy, all the politicians are fighting and slandering and slamming each other and saying, my way is going to work and my way is going to work. If you follow my way and my way and my will and if you vote for me, 
I'm going to turn the nation around. How many of you hear, hear a lot of that going on? Now, I understand that we're in a situation, it's a political climate, but my Bible says this. Let me tell you something. I always want to come back to the Word of God. The Bible says, John 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In other words, there is no beginning until you start with the Word. Because the Word of God reveals what? The will of God. And the will of God always reveals the abundance it reveals the glory of God. And when you are understanding the abundance and you understand the will of God for your life, it's like going to the Lexus dealer. It's like going back to the one who originally designed you. And let me tell you, folks, right now, when it comes to divine purpose, I want you to write down five things when it comes to divine purpose. Because there's five things that God created you for. Number one, you were created. First of all, you were created as a spirit being to have relationship with the, the God of heaven. You are more spiritual, even I, if, if I have any atheists this morning, you are more spirit than you are physical or soulish. You were created to have relationship. You were created with the capacity for the Spirit of God to live in your mind and in your body. You were created to hear His voice. You were created to think thoughts that are supernatural. In fact, you see, what happens is we have been so conditioned by sin, conditioned by our environment, conditioned to be negative, conditioned to just survive rather than to thrive. You're created in God's image. And let me tell you something. Do you know why? Do you know why you like to be happy? How many of you would rather be happy than sad? How many would rather be rich than poor? Anybody out there? How many of you just, I can't wait, man, to get into poverty. Oh, I love poverty. Anybody out there like that? Or how about this one? Man, I just can't wait. Till I just kill some people. Oh, I want to kill people, man. I, I love to kill and hurt and slander and gossip about people. You see, that goes so against nature. Do you know why? Because you were created in God's image. And God is love. And even if you today don't know Jesus and you're still in your sins, you're dead in your sins because you were created in God's image, do you know that even today people that do not know God, they may be, they may be pagans, they may be agnostics, they may be atheists, do you know why? That even in their ungodly, unbelieving mind, they're not at peace with poverty. They're not at peace with being at war with others. They're not at peace with being poor is because God created you in his image and being created in his image means that he created you for greatness. He created you to win. He created you for joy. He created you for blessing. He created you for prosperity and wealth. Anything short of that is falling short of his divine order and his plan. God never created you to be sick. He never created you to be in a broken home or a broken marriage. Some people, over time, and this is how Satan deceives them, they actually begin to believe that over time, oh, it's just the way I am. Huh. You know, my mouth is full of profanity. In my home, we, we have generations where we're busted up. And she said this, Anita said this on the plane. She says, all my family, no, not my family, she said, my friends, they're so messed up. We can't even keep a, they can't keep relationships. They're, they're breaking up, committing adultery, they're drunks, they're addicts, but yet they're so, they're such amazing professionals, but yet they're so hollow on the inside. And I said, here's the problem. They haven't connected with their divine purpose. They haven't found Jesus. I, I want to read something to you. Amen. This is kind of funny. I love this little story. This is a, a story about a little boy. He went to visit his grandparents one day. 
And he has a sister named Sally. And they were visiting the grandparents. And, and while he was over there at his grandparents' house, Grandpa gave the little boy his very, very first slingshot. And so the, uh, uh, the little boy goes in the backyard. And as he's in the backyard, he uh, sees his grandmother's prize-winning uh, duck. Blue ribbon duck. And so he was practicing his slingshot and he was shooting some rocks. But then he goes, uh, in the, is practicing in the backwoods, but he could never hit his target. He was a, was a bad shooter. But then he came to his grandmother's backyard and he spied out her pet duck. And on impulse, he put a rock, picked up a rock, put it in the sling, he took aim and he let it fly. And, but the stone hit, and the duck fell dead, and the boy panicked. Desperately, he hid the duck in the woodpile, only to look up and to see his sister watching. Sally had seen it all, but she said nothing. After lunch that day, Grandma said, Sally, let's wash the dishes. But Sally said, Grandma, Johnny told me that he wanted to help in the kitchen today. Didn't you, Johnny? And she whispered to Johnny in his little ear, Remember the duck. And she whispered to him. So, uh, uh, let's see. But Sally said, Johnny told me that he wanted to help in the kitchen today. Didn't you, Johnny? And she whispered and remember the duck. So Johnny did the dishes. Later, Grandpa asked in the afternoon if the children would like to go fishing. Grandma said, well, I'm sorry, but I need Sally to help make supper tonight. Sally smiled and said, that's all taken care of. Johnny wants to do it. Again, she whispered in her little brother's ear, remember the duck? Johnny stayed home while Sally went fishing with Grandpa. After several days of doing both his chores and Sally's, finally he couldn't stand it any longer, and he went to his grandmother and said, Grandma, I killed the duck. And this is what Grandma says, I know, Johnny. Giving him a hug, I was standing at the window and saw the whole thing happen. And because I love you, I forgave you. But I wondered how long you would let Sally make a slave out of you. Isn't that amazing? How many of you know the devil likes to make a slave out of us by reminding us of all the things that we've done wrong? And you know what he does? He holds us in a prison of shame. And he holds us in a prison of fear. And he holds us in this prison where we think that Sally's always reminding us, remember the duck? For us, it's not a duck. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it was a lie. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's some kind of moral failure. The devil's always reminding us, remember the duck? Do you know what the devil does? He uses facts against you. He'll use your own history against you. And you know what he does? He keeps the church suppressed in a place of defeat. But here's the beautiful thing. Jesus rose from the dead. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he took your sins, not only past, but present and future. And he's washed you from all your sins, and he declares you righteous. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, you're right with God. You are right with God. Now turn to him and say this, you're also God's friend. You're a friend of God. Come on, some of you guys, let's, let's, let's work on this. Amen, in Jesus' name. You're a friend of God. But not only that, you're sons and you're daughters of the King. And do you know what? Let me, let me just tell you something prophetically. This is what the Lord showed me. Here's my passage. Isaiah 
Jump with me to Isaiah 43. This is the word that John prophesied today, right out of Isaiah 43. He didn't even read my notes, but this is the word. Listen to this. Thus saith the Lord God, who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and the horse and the army and the power. They shall lie down together and they shall not ride. They are extinguished. They are quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things. Everyone say, do not remember. Isaiah the prophet is prophesying to people that have been in bondage for years. They've been in bondage. They've been backslid. They've been cold. They've been lukewarm. They've been spiritually divided and drifting in their own relationship with the Lord. And the Bible says here that he tells them this. He says, do not Remember the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. How many of you are ready for something new in your life? Let me tell you something. John prophesied it. I'm confirming. The Lord spoke to me. God is saying, I want to do some new things in this house. I want to do some new things. Everyone say new things. God wants to give you a new vision. God wants to give you a new understanding. The five things I'm going to go through really quickly because my time's going. First of all, the thing that God is doing when it comes to purpose. God's doing a new thing. This all ties with purpose. First of all, it starts with me understanding that my life, my body, my mind is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And because my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, I will honor God in my body. When God's present, how many of you here have something valuable in your life? Anybody? And I'm not talking about just material things or money, but I mean, obviously, relationships. But how many of you know what, whatever you value, you will pay the price to protect it? You see, you don't protect what you don't value. You won't keep. You will become careless with what you are related with if you don't value it. You won't protect it because it doesn't mean anything to you. If you're a man or a woman today and you're on chat rooms and you're talking to another woman or another man and you're emotionally involved, that shows a sign that you don't value your marriage. Oh, Pastor Ray, you're legalistic. Now, now you're throwing some condemnation on me, Pastor Ray. No, 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 no. There's only one person you should be opening up emotionally to, and that's your spouse. I will not get on chat rooms. I will not get on Facebook and talk to the opposite sex because I value that woman. I want to protect my relationship with her. Another thing, I will not go out and spend money. I, there's no such thing is the word my money. It doesn't exist in my house. It's the word mine. It's our money. Because I value, I want my wife to be at such peace. I want her to trust me so I never ever want to act independently. I never want to make decisions contrary that would even begin to remotely stir any mistrust in her heart because in loving a, in a loving relationship it's not about you anymore it's about us another thing i love my wife so much i want her to be a blessed woman i will not cheat on not tithing i will put god first i want my wife to know that as the priest and the leader in my home we put god first because if I am not as a priest and leader and an example and influence in my home, putting God first, guess what? It affects not only me, but my wife and my children and my stuff. Well, Pastor Ray, you just don't understand. We're going through financial calamity and things are just falling apart. News clip. It's because you're not tithing. How many of you know that there are many things that God asks us to do when it comes to divine purpose? God will ask you to do things that do not make sense. Now, I want you to see something. Jump back with me here in Isaiah 43. Notice what it says, verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, 
who makes a way in the sea and a path through mighty waters. Do you hear that? God says, I make a way through the sea. How many here have ever tried to pave a path through a storm or through mighty waters, like crossing the Red Sea? What God is saying is, I want you to start looking at your problems differently. I want you to start realizing that when, instead of running in fear from your problems and Re, and, and recoiling back and, 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 and going backwards, I want you to start looking for a way that I'm going to provide through the storm, through the sea. What God's saying. In other words, when you face a brick wall, God is saying, because I'm in your life, I'm going to make a way. When God says, I'm going to do a new thing. Now, you know what? Let, let, let me tell you something. There's a lot of people in the kingdom of God in churches. I'm a pastor, Ray. <laughs> I've been waiting for years for God to do something. I've been waiting for years for God to do something in my life. Let me tell you something. God's actually waiting on you. Let me tell you what he's waiting on. He's waiting on you to start looking at your problems with him working in you and through the situation to make a way where there is no way. Now see, that's where, that's, that's where logic and faith collide. Because when you're a man or a woman who's thinking logically, you're going to have a problem. Because you're going to, well, it's not in my calculations. It's not going to work. It can't work. Because the calculator said it doesn't add up. How many of you know faith does not demand your calculator? God is going to ask you to trust him. This, this is what, by the way, this is what he's telling through Isaiah the prophet to people who are facing some problems. He says, thus saith the Lord who makes a way in the sea. He didn't say who makes a way where it's plain and clear. He didn't say who makes a way where it's so logically sensible and practical and reasonable. He says, I'm going to make a way for you to walk through the mighty waters that are opposing and resisting you. I want you to start looking at the problem with a whole different set of faith vision eyes. In other words, God wants you to, everyone say this word, Visualize. Purpose involves you visualizing yourself walking through your waters even long before you go through your waters. God wants you to start seeing yourself as a rich man even though you're a poor man. God wants you to start seeing yourself as raising the dead even though there's a lot of death around you. God wants you to start calling those things that are not as though they are. Well, yeah, but Pastor Ray, it's just not practical and it's not reasonable. It doesn't make sense and I don't feel like it. Praise God. Now, I, what, I'm, what I'm saying here is because God has, been, God has been speaking to Carol and I about words like launch out. Notice what else he's saying here. <clears throat> he says, I want you to understand something. Not only am I going to make way, but I want you to understand your enemies are already extinguished. They're already defeated. Do you know what? Something, I want to say something. And I say this in, in faith, and I say this in celebration, and I say this with all honor. If you're sick this morning, my Bible says you're already healed. By his stripes, we were past tense, and the air is past tense, already healed. You may be out of a job today. God wants you to begin to begin, and, and this is so much, Jesus said this, Matthew 17, if you will only speak to the mountain. For some reason, we have a problem worshiping or praising God. And, and I hear a lot of people, you know, Pastor, it's, it's not my style. It's not me. Do you know why God gave you the Holy Spirit? Is because he wants to take you from who you are and turn you into what he wants you to be. 
He wants you to become like Him. God, God, wants you, God doesn't want you to stay the way you are. You may say, well, it's just not my style. I'm a quiet guy. I'm an introvert by nature, and I'm just kind of backwards. And I, I, don't, I don't want anybody kind of pushing me and making me and manipulating me. And by the way, that, that's legalism. No, it's not legalism at all. How many of you know that anytime God ever does something new, it creates controversy? You know why we don't embrace anything new? Because it's not familiar. We love familiar things. In fact, let me tell you something. This is not to step on anybody's toes, but guess what? When you choose a church to join, guess what you do? You choose a church that you like. Here's, here, here's, here's a big wake-up one. God, it's kind of like getting married. How many of you ever fell in love with a woman? You, you, you fell in love with a guy, and all of a sudden, after you got married, you come to find out, well, they're not what I thought they were. Amen? Why does that happen? All of a sudden, you're attracted to that guy or that girl, and all of a sudden, well, then all of a sudden, you get a revelation a year, two, three years later. I missed God. It wasn't God. I must have been backslid. Oh, I missed God. Now, the problem is, is God drew you together with the person you're with, but God is using those people to transform you. I don't receive that. I do not receive that word. Because I believe that life is all about my happiness. And if I'm not happy, I'm out of here. Well, how many of you know you will be on a pursuit like Anita, that's attorney, who made, climbed the ladder of success, found, thought she found her purpose in status, in money, with her professional, with her firm, with her law clients, with all of her friends, only to come find out, I live. And I work with a lot of messed up people. Now, that's not just the fact that the people are bad. There's no such thing as bad people. People may do bad things. The problem with people is they're broken people. And Jesus still loves broken people. Jesus cares for broken There's no such thing. Uh, let me tell you something. Do you know that Jesus died for Adolf Hitler? Now, I... A lot of us, well, I'm sure Adolf Hitler, he's got to be in hell. Well, let me tell you, here, here's a news flash for you. If Adolf Hitler, before he died, in anywhere in his life, might have heard the gospel, and before he died, confessed Jesus as Lord, confessed his sins, he will be waiting for you in heaven. Oh, Pastor Ray, that's heresy. No, it's not heresy. Because if the blood of Jesus is not strong enough to cleanse and restore the worst of sinners, it's not strong enough even to restore you. See, Jesus' death died for the worst. And what this new thing that God is doing, he wants us to understand the breadth, the height, the depth, the length of the love of God because in our life, we're going to run into a lot of broken, messed up people. And we're going to be running into a lot of broken, messed up families and hope. And God wants you to have the kind of faith that says, My God can make a way where there is no way. Because I've tasted of His grace. I've been broken in sin. I've been, or I've been surviving and I've been broken by the powers of darkness. But He's transformed me by the power of His dear Son, Put the Holy Spirit within me. Given me a vision for life. I am no longer a victim. I'm an overcomer made new in Jesus. And I can overcome, run through a troop and leap over the wall. That's what God does to his people. This is a new season for New Life Fellowship. Guess what? We're not going back in more ways than one. We are not going back. What do you mean by that, Pastor Ray? Trying to say something? Trying to say something? Are you trying to say something here? Trying to say something, Pastor Ray? Yeah? We're not going to go back to thinking like we did in 2015. We're not going to go back to complaining. We're not going to go back to making cheap excuses. 
We're not going to go back to saying, but God, but God, you just don't understand where I came from. Let me tell you something. doesn't matter where you came from, where sin abounds, where brokenness abounds, where abuse abounds, His grace is greater. If our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. His love is greater. You see, a lot of us think that I'm going to overcome when I'm in heaven. And so you have this kind of hang-on mode theology. I'm hanging on! Because the devil's caught the world by the tail. Oh, Jesus, just get me out of here. Oh, I just can't wait till I die and go to heaven. That's bad theology. In fact, it does not glorify Jesus. Jesus wants to glorify his son now, in you now. He's going to take your backward insecurity, inferiority. He's going to take your backward thinking, your weak, morbid, uh, victimized, I'm just a survivor. He's going to take that, transform you, turn you into a mountain-moving, giant-killing, boat-sinking, blessing man, woman of God, full of faith, full of vision, that wherever you go, you transform atmospheres. Wherever you go, there's people. And some of them, by the way, may not be happy with you. There's going to be some people who say, why are you so happy? We're not happy. Well, you need to be happy. You know, there's some people that just love to be misery. Misery loves company. I just, why are you so happy? Why are you so full of faith? There's nothing to be happy about. You know why they think like that? You know why they're so miserable? It's because their vision is so small. And when I make God small, I make the devil big. And I am in the business of making the devil small and making my God big. And you see, it's in your hands. When the Bible says he makes a way where there is no way, notice what he also goes on here, verse 19, Behold, I will do a new thing. Everyone say, new thing. And it shall spring forth. And you, everyone say you. You will know it. In other words, God is saying, I'm not just saying this. I'm going to make this thing so manifest and so real and so obvious. You're going to know it and it's going to be beyond. Uh, it's going to, you're going to be, know it even beyond the fact by your, of your own imagination. And he goes on here to say, and I will make a road in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Everyone say in. God's getting in to your life. He's going to get into your finances. But he says this, I will do a new thing. But here's what he says. We've got to learn to let go of the things of the old. Let me give you these two other things. First of all, five things. Let me go through it and I'm going to close. I've got to close. My time's gone. The first thing is you're created to be a home for the presence of the Lord, the presence of the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Lord has to do with His power, His glory, the fullness of heaven in your life. Secondly, you were created for connection. Everyone say connection. God did never create you to be an isolated, introverted, isolated, loner. You're not an island to yourself. And the only reason why people live like that is because they feel unprotected, they feel vulnerable, and they're afraid that people are going to hurt them. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you why you get hurt. Well, this is not going to be easy to say it. The reason why you get hurt is because you're not dead yet. If you can stick in a, if I can stick a fork in you and you say, ouch, you're not dead yet. Why did Jesus say that we need to take up our cross and follow him? What's the, we're, we're not going to a picnic. The whole purpose of the cross is to die. Jesus said, no man can have life abundant until the seed falls to the ground and dies. What does that mean? What does it mean to die? It means that you've been so captivated. Let me tell you something. I discovered a long time ago that Ray Galligan really likes Ray Galligan a lot. Ray Galligan is a real selfish selfish guy. I'm just trying to be vulnerable here. 
I'm a selfish pig. I like things my way. I like, the, I like my own happiness. I want to get on top. I want to beat you. I, uh, I want to make more money than you. I want to be better. Uh, you may say, Pastor Ray, boy, you are really being wicked here. No, there, see, if Ray Galligan, if Ray Galligan lets Ray Galligan go, he could be a real wicked guy. But you see, here's the key. When Ray Galligan met Jesus and come to understand the power and the purpose of the cross, dying is not so much about just making religious attempts to do the right thing in my own strength. That's not what dying is about. Dying is not about, okay, I'm going to start going to church, stop drinking, I'm going to start reading my Bible, I'm going to start praying, I'm going to fast three days a month, I'm going to start giving all my money, I'm going to start doing this. I will die, I will die, I will die. You will last two days and go back to backsliding. The only way you can ever die is when you see Jesus on the cross who died for you and when you begin to see your life raised with him. See, I have to be renewed with a new understanding, with a renewed mind of who I am in Christ. See, I no longer am a victim. I am no longer a slave to sin. But I'm a slave to righteousness. I'm a slave to his love. I'm, I'm made for connection. The third thing is this. Everyone say glory. Third thing, glory. You were created for glory. You were created to win. You were created for victory. Now, I, I, I need to spend time on these things, but I can't. The last thing is this. When it comes to divine purpose, I haven't, I haven't even talked to you about how we move into this. The last thing is this. When it comes to divine purpose is the word agreement. Everyone say agreement. I've got to come into agreement with God. Let me ask you this. Are you in agreement with God or are you in a controversy with Him? Are you agreeing with Him? Now, agreeing with God doesn't necessarily mean you like everything he says. By the way, there's many things I've said, God, I don't like that. He says, I know you don't. But he says, it's best for you. By the way, do you know why God doesn't always answer all your whys? Is because he doesn't hide things from you. He hides them for you. He keeps them from you so that when you come to discover the truth, why he's walking you through that, when you discover it, it's like the powerful scripture that James read on, on his message on Wednesday night, that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to, to seek it out. You know, I have, a, I have three little grandchildren, and you know what's so funny? I, I heard Bill Johnson say this when they're, uh, when they're doing their Easter egg hunts, hunts he has older grandchildren and baby grandchildren. He says, with the older grandchildren, you have to hide the eggs a little more. But with the smaller grandchildren, you've got to put the Easter eggs out in the open so they can find it. Because they'll go around the whole yard, like, Grandpa, I can't find any Easter eggs. It's right on the chair. But with the older ones, they're not challenged by the fact that the Easter eggs, they want to, they want to, they love the challenge of looking for it. And so they want it to be a little hidden. And so they like, okay, Grandpa, where, where did you hide all the Easter eggs? Okay, I'm not going to tell you. But they love to go out. And they're looking under the shovels and in the, in the shed and around the back of the, of the house and under the shovels and around uh, the picnic table, and they find the Easter egg. I found it, Grandpa, I found the Easter egg. And you know what? Then they open their little Easter egg, and they eat their little gummy bear or whatever it's in the Easter egg, and they're, they're just so elated that they found But there's no challenge if you've just put all the Easter eggs right out there. There's your Easter eggs. Oh. See, God, God wants you to discover things. And part of purpose. And some of you right now have been going through things and you're in that place where the future is out of reach, but you've come so far and you're kind of stuck in the middle in a situation and yet God is actually helping you grow as you grow to discover Him. It's, it's really about revelation, about 
coming to discover your Heavenly Father and how awesome He really is. As you come, as you're walking through things. In fact, you know what it's called? It's called a testimony. A testimony is when you've walked through the test. And you come through, and all of a sudden you've really come to find and discover the true riches of what God was trying to say, what he was trying to do, and actually what he wants to give you. But we give up. We give up too easy. How many of you follow what I'm saying this morning? I want you to bow your heads. Would you just bow your heads? By the way, this is just by way of introduction today. But I really believe that New Life Fellowship this year, we're going to cross some rivers. We're going to cross some valleys. I believe God wants to open our hearts and our eyes. I believe he wants to He wants to put you on display because it's his son Jesus. Jesus is glorified through and in you. I believe right now, I believe some of you know that you're in this place and there's so much more that God has for you. Maybe this morning you may say, you know, Pastor Ray, I know that my faith has been weak and I've kind of been bewildered, floundered in my direction. I need prayer. I need focus. I need direction. I need my faith to be strengthened. I love the Lord. Maybe this morning you may say, you know, I feel like I've allowed the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy my dreams, my faith. I want to experience something new and fresh in my life this year. That's you. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. See your hand all over the building. God has something fresh for you. Can I tell you right now, God is so proud of you. He loves you so much. Cares about you so much. About a dozen hands. Could we all stand to our feet? By the way, uh, uh, James has a word here. Then I'm going to come back. Thank you, Lord. Brother John was talking about year of Jubilee, 50 years. What was 50 years ago? What year was it? Somebody tell me. 1966. As Ray and John were talking, the Lord had me do a quick search. In 1965, abortion was illegal in all 50 states, except for certain circumstances. In 1966, 50 years ago, the first state of Mississippi passed its first abortion law. followed by Alabama, Colorado, California. And then in 1973, the Supreme Court passed Roe v. Wade. 1966, 50 years ago. Leviticus 25.10, it says, Concentrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. Another word for liberty is forgiveness. If Neam owes me a debt, say $5,000, and I proclaim liberty to him, he doesn't owe it anymore. This country has been piling up the debt of abortion for 50 years. And this year of 2016 is our year to forgive them, to set at liberty our nation, even starting in the state of Mississippi. 
I have had great offense against the sin of abortion. I have spoken against it. I have proclaimed it as evil, and it is. But I start today by proclaiming liberty to my country from the sin and the debt of abortion. I pray that you join me in this. This was revelation to me, and it's hard because I feel like they need to burn in hell right along Hitler with Hitler. But God says, let's forgive them. And let's restore this nation to a nation of life. Will you guys join with me? Lord, we proclaim liberty to the state of Mississippi the poorest state in this whole republic. We proclaim liberty the state of Alabama and Colorado and California and we proclaim liberty to the Supreme Court and we proclaim liberty to this whole land. We forgive the sin of abortion. We proclaim it as gone. And I challenge you if there is a debt in your life maybe a debt you're holding against yourself this is the year of liberty release it we release the sins against this church even so that we can forgive and move on put the past behind us it is a new chapter for this church too Thank you, Lord, for making it possible for us to forgive because we we received your forgiveness. This church, not only individually, but corporately, will release the past so we can move into our future. Thank you, Jesus. If any of you this morning that raised your hand like to come down and be prayed for, like to just make a opportunity. Just feel free to come. I love to minister. I feel the anointing. It's an anointing for breakthrough here. By the way, I wanted to say one thing. If somebody comes today with their small toe, literally the Lord showed me someone with a small toe problem. The Lord wants to touch you in your toe. Literally a problem in your toe. And if that's you, can you extend your hands? We're going to pray for these folks this this morning, can we? In fact, I'd like us to pray a prayer right now. As we're looking into a year of Jubilee, a year of God breaking through with new things in our life, we're going to all say yes together. Amen? Just follow me. Dear Lord, we come to you, Heavenly Father. We thank you for your great love. We thank you for the promises of Scripture. Lord, we set our vision on you. We release the past. We let go of those things that we cannot change. Lord, we embrace your promises. Father, lift us this morning. Strengthen our faith. Lord, we just pray that we will become those supernatural people that can bring a supernatural atmosphere around us. Lord, help us to see what you have placed in us through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let us become alive in Jesus to make a difference in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to someone, give them a hug this morning, would you? God bless you.